When I ask my clients about their choice in selecting me as their therapist, the most frequent response is their connection to my background as someone who has experienced many relocations and understands the challenges of being a foreigner. The shared thread among therapists at its complicated is their international and diverse backgrounds. This is the theme of my interview with the wonderful Amsterdam-based counseling psychologist, Garima Narwani. Her upbringing and adult life have provided her with a profound and intimate understanding of what it means to be an expat. Welcome to its complicated podcast, Therapy Talk. I'm your host, Johannes Vinson. So I'm a counseling psychologist based here in the Netherlands. I see a lot of clients with anxiety spectrum conditions, depression, grief, adjustment issues with their life transitions, and also intergenerational trauma. So I see a lot of clients dealing with those issues. If I were to, in a nutshell, describe my approach, it it involves deeper exploration of what troubles us and why. My style is to learn about the root system to understand why the surface looks the way it does. In a, if, that, if I use that analogy of just sort of like what we see on the surface of the leaves and what's happening with the leaves or the trunks, but, but my approach looks at a deeper exploration of the root system. But we know, what's the environment of the soil? What's, what's sort of nurturing? What's not nurturing? What's getting in the way? Right. right. And I do so by borrowing tools and techniques from, of course, different therapy modalities. But the ones that really have a special place in my heart is rational motive behavior therapy, narrative therapy, inter- internal family systems therapy. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something that I utilize to approach the, approach the understanding of the root system. And my work in the last four to five years has gravitated towards expats and third culture adults. Is that how long you've lived in the Netherlands? No, I've, so I've moved around a lot. So I think from 2018, when I started my private practice, a lot of just my clients seem to be expats or yeah. third culture adults, you know, who've grown up in countries different to the countries their parents grew up in. Yeah. Right. So it's just so happened that, you know, a lot of my work started to see people with these backgrounds walk in. So that's me in a nutshell and my and my profession. Amazing. Can you say a bit about what actually are the unique stressors of of expats since you've come to work as much with with that group of people as you have? Yeah, I think it would be helpful to sort of express that with my own sort of background, being an expat myself. Yeah. So I've literally lived a life of just sort of one place to the other. And even if I've lived in a country long enough, I've sort of moved around in different neighborhoods as well. So I've just constantly, I feel like I've moved a lot. So I was born and raised in Dubai, UAE. For the first 13 years of my life, I was in Dubai. And I moved to India in eighth grade. And I don't know if 
you know this about India, but India is such an interesting, the interesting part of India is that there are just so many different states. But say if you move from one stage to the other, everything changes. The language changes, the script mm-hmm. changes, the food, traditions, culture, the way people dress, everything about it changes. So it almost feels like you're in a very foreign place, yet familiar. It's difficult to house that disconnection, if that makes sense. It's so different, but familiar. Yeah. So that's that's sort of what I was growing up with. I, I did my high school, my undergrads, my masters in different states, which was challenging in its own way. And then I moved to South Korea with my husband for three years in a very uh-huh. rural town as well. Not not the shiny Seoul or Busan, the metro cities, but countryside of yeah. Korea. And that and that's that was during COVID times as well, which kind of extended our stay in Korea. So twenty nineteen until twenty twenty two. Yeah. I was in Korea before moving to the Netherlands. And I'm here. Looking back on it, I now realize like, oh, that that's a lot of that's like this cyclical uh, uprooting and adapting and uprooting and get you know getting adapted. I think I've realized a lot of the expat issues through my own experience and through yeah. my own connection, like connection with my own experiences of being an expat and what actually that means. Because it wasn't until I actually sat down and realized what this means. I always thought of myself like this breezy, oh, easy to adapt. And, you know, I'm, I'm the bohemian nomadic lifestyle kind of is appealing to me and I'm just so easygoing. But it wasn't until I actually took a deeper look and I realized that I think I am just adept at mirroring and masking. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's not so much that I am, of course, one part is that I've, I'm adaptable and resourceful, which of course is, is I guess, the byproduct of mo- having moved around so much. But I just thought of that like as a personality trait and like, oh, this kind of lifestyle suits me. But I realized like, but there's this nagging feeling, there's this something's missing, something's not adding up or something just doesn't fit quite right enough yeah and it was it was then when I really sat down and realized that I think I've just I'm just good at mirroring and good at masking and good at finding these kind of tactics to fit in and I didn't even realize I was doing all of that and I think one of which kind of makes it this very the foundational quality, I guess, of, of an expat life, this everything revolving around belonging and wanting yeah. to belong and respond in everything that we do is, is a response to that need, if that makes sense. Yeah. Right. So whatever, however you choose to respond to that need, is it, it becomes this identifying factor almost. You know, kind of describing the expat expat living. And this not being enough, not being just right enough, not fitting in right enough is also another thing that comes along with it. Yeah. To to give you an example, I mean, 
I could never relate to peers in 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 Dubai. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't relate to my cousins in India growing up. And not having the space where I just feel like, oh, I'm I I get this or people get me. Yeah. I couldn't understand references growing up with, with my cousins, right? Like what they grew up with, you know, what slangs or what games they grew up playing. I didn't grow up playing those games. So I just right. couldn't understand and couldn't relate. So in Dubai, like I, w- I, w- I grew up listening to Hindi music, but my friends could not understand that because they were just exploring global Western US top charts and, you know, UK top charts kind of music. And I'm, I couldn't get pop cultural references there either. So always feeling the sense of where do I belong? Which Mm -hmm. society do I subscribe to? It's a part of both these experiences, expat culture as well as the third culture, a kid growing up. Yeah. So that was something I noticed in my own experience, which also kind of shaped my viewpoint in my work. So with this foundational understanding, what type of specific challenges are you on the lookout for? in your work with expats? So it kind of shows up in in a lot of different ways, right? Yeah. It's, it's like, on the surface, it'll show up as even social anxiety. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it shows up as addictions. So, so all of these upper top layer, right, of, of how it shows up, shows up sometimes in just sort of dissatisfaction with everything. Nothing particularly feeling like it's off, but everything feels off at the same time. Feeling lack of intimacy and lack of connections with with people around. Feeling misunderstood. Feeling like you're just out of reach, right? With, with, or... or, or a misstep. You're you're just not in the same rhythm with people around you. Shows up sometimes like that. And you also tend to see this isolation that you see a lot of guilt as well. You see a lot of this um, homesickness and you you see a lot of um, comparisons as well. Like, oh, but life wasn't, if I, if I talk about expat life, and just expat life and not third culture phenomena, then it's like you can see this dissatisfaction with, you know, this this gap between the expectations of how life was supposed to be in this country versus how it is. And this constant going back and forth, but let's say, but in India, this wasn't the case, but in India, that wasn't the case, but in India, this is the food and in India, you can go to a specialist and not really have to go through a GP to have a referral. And this constant going back to what you've known and holding on to those standards and wanting the, for those standards to, to, to sort of be recreated here. Yeah. It, it, it creates this dissatisfaction that you often see. With, yeah. with a lot of expats uh, working through this adjustment period. And that adjustment period is almost this golden period where it can either offer us the opportunity to look for a new normal or 
you get sort of trapped in the spiral of nothing is like my home country, right? And, and, and it's sort of we are robbing ourselves of the opportunity to give this new country a shot. So yeah. that, that adjustment period is actually a very crucial one where we can explore this, where we can witness these experiences that are so, so natural. And that's what partly is for someone to witness how valid these reactions and responses are to this life transition. Yeah. Right? That it's not just in your head. You're not overthinking. This is a real thing. So it makes sense you'll be feeling all of this. It'll make sense you'll wake up with this feeling of, I don't know what's wrong, but something's wrong. Yeah. I don't know why I feel this way, even though I have a good job and, and a good relationship, and, but something is different. Does it also become an opportunity to do work around clarifying values? Because what I'm hearing you say is that sometimes it is just a feeling yeah. that something really significant is not being met or it's, it's not being watered sufficiently. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a huge opportunity. And I think that's the kind of work that I, I do, I do with, with, with this group because it's this opportunity to get to know their cultural lived experiences, get to know their spiritual beliefs, get to know these beliefs that maybe are inherited you know, it's, it's all these things. It's an opportunity to learn about their cultural identity and how we can, I guess, find this harmony. Like, okay, this is where you come from. How do we sort of preserve these parts that are valuable to you in this new place? How do yeah. we do that without necessarily disowning in the pursuit of fitting in, if that makes sense? Right? Because that's what also we see, this disowning and sewing down our cultural identities, parts of it, to, to make it easier to fit in. But you mentioned briefly that you also do rational emotive behavior therapy. And I was wondering, just because I'm so ignorant within that specific approach, how you would imagine using specific strategies from that modality to address these types of challenges. Yeah, yeah. So if we, if we talk about through the lens of REBT, right, we know that it's not just an event and a behavior, right? It's not just what happened and I'm responding to it sort of blindly or just in isolation of the event, but it's, it's more about how we perceive the event that sort of shapes the way we respond to it, right? Yeah. So it's the perception and the focus on the meanings we've assigned to this experience, what beliefs are functioning in the, in the background, what's the context within which we're experiencing this, right? So all of that kind of helps us get to know how we're approaching this and why. And it's less about the events in, in some cases and more about what this event means to us. Yeah. And if we are able to understand that and hold space for that, what this means to them. And of course, for them to feel, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, if I, if I were to hold 
if I were to view this event through that lens, it makes sense why I'm reacting or responding this way. But maybe there's another story to this event. And what could that be? And the exploration of another story that does suit me more, that still makes me feel like I have a sense of control or, or, or I can do something about this. It's not the only story. It's not the only lens. Right? So that's where REBD would come into play, if that makes sense. It does. It almost sounds like you're using these frameworks, REBT, and the other modalities, like maps that, that you can hold out in a way in front of both you and your client to yeah. go on this exploration into the root network of their, of their challenges, of yeah. their issues. Yeah. I was also thinking to go maybe one level deeper into the defining trait of the third culture adults coming to your practice. I have some theories that, for instance, they engage in more therapy speak. They have, you know, done more work beforehand yeah. also. You mean the third culture kids? Yeah. You know, maybe as part of their journey, just um, trying to always fit in. Yeah. I think what you're also kind of hinting at, what I'm hearing from what you're saying, is also there's this sense of searching with third culture kids who are now adults. This is always constant yearning or urge of just searching you know and I guess in the pursuit of that or in the process of searching I, I, I do believe some are some of them are trying to grasp at something that could resonate with them because that's what the experience of third culture is you know that's what the experience of third culture is this something that I can call mine something that resonates with me something that makes me feel heard and seen and represented so maybe when you're seeing a trend of therapy speak or therapist speak in, in maybe this group maybe they are searching for a voice that resonates with them and maybe they are let's say you know of course we're all on social media at this point becomes a huge part of our lifestyle and depending on which generation you belong to, if you're Gen Z, I mean, you've grown up with technology and social media in, in a way, right? So you're also the exposure to these voices out there is also heightened. And maybe we are seeing a growth in the acceptance and sort of adopting these these terms, the you know, the trend of the therapist speech like boundaries and healing and attachment styles and what kind of disorder diagnosis do I have and maybe this group is also trying to solve through their searching this internal dichotomy if that makes sense you know this internal yeah. like what am I what who am I allowed to be and maybe maybe labels and therapists be can offer us this respite temporarily of who am I allowed to be? Oh, maybe I'm just this and maybe I am, you know, 
because I have a disorganized attachment style. This is who I am, you know? I mean, so, I was just going to say, actually, <laughs> I was just going to say that it's so weird being a psychologist myself and then realizing how normalizing and how helpful it can it it can feel to read about a new category and seeing okay maybe that actually truly is something that applies to me i think that you what you've just highlighted here is so on one hand we're talking about people coming in with therapist kind of terms right that they've heard or adopted which can be problematic, but also on other levels, it's empowering because it's starting up conversations that we've needed for a very long time, right? It's empowering us with knowledge. And yeah, and that's, that's exactly it. Labels and these terms. I think the important thing to realize is that this, the labels are not the whole story. They're half, they're conversation starter, right? It, and it needs to be seen as a conversation starter. It's it's the prelude. It's the it's the amuse bouche of like your journey of your personal work. Right? I mean, it's it's important to have, of course, these terms that help explain. Am I meeting this? Am I are these symptoms, you know, resonating with me? And that's what it is. They they, they explain what it is. They. They don't explain why it is. They don't explain the uniqueness of your experience with it, right? And that's the remaining half of the conversation, which needs to happen. So I think when we talk about the terms, I, I welcome these terms in my practice because it kind of makes me also be aware that, oh, my clients are actually very keen on learning, right? And that's something to be nourished and that's something to be welcomed. and. And sort of with the help of the keenness, you know, in, in therapy, my focus then would be to sort of encourage this curiosity, but in, in, in getting to know their own mechanisms more deeply, right? That, okay, why is that a trigger for you? And why is, so of course, this explains your lived, let's say, experience. But now we can take it from there and, and understand it further, mm-hmm. how it's sort of for you, uniquely, right? So, yeah, I, I also see a lot of clients coming in, very first consultation, very first session, diagnosing themselves or, <laughs> or, or calling someone else, or let's say narcissistic or calling that, you know, or having a certain idea of boundaries, yeah. right? And... Um, all of that's to be welcomed, but also like, okay, great, bring me this, but let's actually explore this further. Yeah. Let it not just be a conversation that's reduced to labels, but what they actually mean for us, if that makes sense. Yeah, and narrative therapy, which you also mentioned as one of the modalities that you use and which I've had some training in, is really good at that part at exploring what would you call this thing that culture has termed this and that like where does it sit in you let's 
let's unfold it and yeah. let's inspire you to put your own words on that experience. Yeah, exactly. Um, which, which I would say, you know, that's like level up in empowering a person to use labels, not just in a generic and impersonal way. Yeah. Let's let's make that story more textured. Let's strengthen that narrative. Let's let's add like and that's the thing, right? I mean, us stories aren't one dimensional. They they need to be layered. They are layered. They are multifaceted. So let's just do just that. Let's add more texture. Let's make it more layered. Yeah. The thicker the better. The thicker the better. <laughs> Said nobody about a narrative, but we are. How would you guide clients through both this process of unlearning, you know, certain labels that might actually not be doing any good or doing them justice, but then yeah. also the process of thickening <laughs> to stay with that lovely word? Yeah. I think oh, my curiosity always takes me to. I mean, even with people in general, but also with clients is how they see something and how and why are they seeing, let's say, uh, things a certain way. So I, I kind of would like sort of understand it from the point of view of their connection with this label, what, what sort of purpose is that serving them and to understand what's the hold for them, what's this need to connect with that particular label why have they maybe is this a defining thing is it is it an identity thing is it what is it providing right and for me to then also explore how they would see the downsides of overusing something like this right so it's it's all about this exploration with them right rather than me guiding them to a certain particular point I'm sort of it's like a walk in the forest hey sh do, should we look at this and you know how are you looking at this how are you finding this right and and what do you think about this shall we sit some more on this and then oh do you want to keep exploring different things it's it's more like a I'm just along for the walk if that makes sense so it, yeah. it's more me being and staying curious about how are they seeing and why and seeing if they can themselves identify downsides because they are capable you know most of our clients are capable of identifying downsides identifying problems identifying this can be problematic right and for me to give that acknowledgement to them that they are capable of of finding out and, and steering this in a different direction. I just am asking the questions. I'm just merely here for a conversation, right? So, and a lot of clients have done that. A lot of clients then start to be like, yeah, I think it's a limiting thing. Like if, uh, maybe it's keeping me from exploring more if I just stick to this label. Maybe it's not exactly defining what I am going through. Right? And then we sort of turn that conversation into just, these labels aren't adding too much. Maybe let's just foc focus on your experience of this, you know, how this feels like, how this looks like to you, how this, how, you, how do you react to it? 
right? So labels like, oh, my narcissistic mother did this and this and this, or my narcissistic friend did that. And then, you know, getting to know more, like, what do you mean? How do you mean? What are you really referring to? Yeah. Right? So not in terms of making them drop that label, but, but making them see that this is more about the experience with your mother or with your friend. And of course, where there is cause of alarm, we address that, right? Because we have, we, I do have clients who've been in narcissistic relationships and recovering, you know, after that. But of course, whenever there is a cause of alarm, we address that. But we also have to then see, is it just an overuse term? Is it actually happening? So, which requires a lot of curiosity and patience that, okay, let me really see what's happening here before yeah. we deem this as therapist speak, if that makes sense. Yeah. But I also really like the metaphor of the therapist being someone who is joining the person in, in a walk through the forest. It's like a way of revisioning traditional therapy yeah. as, as something going on in a secluded space where the therapist is the expert mm. or just a blank slate. Yeah. It's almost, it's almost like the therapist as a professional friend, you know, <laughs> like someone who can help you. Yeah. I've always identified as a hired Sherpa. I like that, that better. Like, I, I like that better. <laughs> that also, that builds on, on the metaphors from the narrative therapy, yeah. you know, this Sherpa can also have a map. Like a really useful map, yeah, and yeah. Is is maybe more just like takes up less space also than mm -hmm. a friend, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's less self-disclosing than a friend. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm just here to walk with you in this terrain, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. I I think I've identified with that analogy or the metaphor for a while now that I realized hmm, what is my role and it seemed like more sort of guiding being curious but guiding in a in a way where I'm still waiting for the cues from from who I am with do you know that the first time I had a session actually my mentor told me that I just had to remember that I was a hound, that I was a hound dog, that, you know, that that was my job to, to follow, follow the lead and to ignore and to put my nose down and like sniff out the details <laughs> and wow. just, and that I just had to make make my curiosity take the lead and do the job and yeah yeah, yeah. so so I, I i think i'm gonna adopt the shirt now <laughs> please do <laughs> like reclaim that and i'm gonna adopt the hound i mean that sounds really apt mm. thank you so much garima for letting me pick your brain oh 
It was it's wonderful. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. And I love having these conversations and I could probably go on and on about what we've just spoken about. So thank you for giving me the opportunity. Thank you for not only listening, but also for embracing this third season of the podcast so well, downloading and sharing it as much as you have. My aim with this podcast is to provide insight into how the practitioners in our diverse therapy community work and to inspire you to care for yourself and your mental health. I also want to acknowledge that this episode is a week late, and for that I apologize. As a therapist and one of the co-founders of It's Complicated, I conduct client sessions in addition to recording, editing, and managing this podcast and leading the therapist community. Since our team at It's Complicated consists of just 10 mostly part-time individuals and our focus is on organic bootstrapped growth, our product and content have a very human touch. While this is meant positively, it also means there can be delays, especially when someone falls ill as happened with me. Anyways, happy holidays to those who celebrate. I hope you have a restful end to the year. 